Hi there, everybody. Tom Whitcomb here, host of Show Some Respect. Tom Whitcomb is talking. We have an excellent episode for you today, and I mean it. I just recorded it. It's good stuff. I think you're going to enjoy it. Uh, reminder, I'm going to be in Melbourne from April 10th to April 22nd doing my show, Problematic, at Bard's Apothecary every night at 9.20pm. Please come along. If you know people in Melbourne, send them my way. I'm also doing shows at the Sydney Comedy Festival in May, but you'll hear more about that closer to the day. Um, otherwise, hey, enjoy the show. I'm talking about the Melbourne Comedy Festival Gala, talking about going to the library. I'm talking about my favourite articles in the Daily Mail this week, which I think I'm going to have to do every time from now on, especially if they include Abby Chatfield. So please enjoy the show. I'll see you later. Hello, hello and welcome to yet another edition of Show Some Respect. Tom Whitcomb is talking and boy is he. As always, almost nothing else is happening for the next 30 minutes, but you can better believe Tom Whitcomb is talking. It, it, this podcast, it does what it says on the tin, if nothing else. It is a pleasure to have you here yet again for, for what we can only, we, we can only be totally baffled uh, for, for, for this podcast continues to exist. It doesn't make any sense in a financial, social, or cultural way. It, it, there's no reason. And yet, here it is every Tuesday morning showing up in your podcast feed. Every week, you think, is he going to do this again? Why would he? And then he does. And then he does, because you just never know. You never know where the next Joe Rogan is sitting. Is he sitting in a two-bedroom mortgage apartment in Queen's Park? Who's to say he could be anywhere? Uh, it's great to be here as a Sunday Afternoon, I'm sitting here with my second coffee of the day, risking uh, risking an anxiety attack. I I asked for a weak I asked for a weak regular soy flat white um, because uh, I know my barista well enough to not need to impress them anymore. Because otherwise, there is no way. There's no way I could have said this to a stranger. There's no. I've already asked my barista for one of the cookies reserved for children. We've lost any semblance of authority that I might have had before. I said, hey, I know those hundreds and thousands of biscuits are exclusively for baby chinos, and I will buy one if necessary. However, could I have one, please? Before you answer, I'd like to remind you, I've spent hundreds of dollars here. So please give me five cents worth of Arnott's biscuits. And, uh, and boy, did they. And did they judge me for it? Well, I would hope so. If they didn't, I don't know if I can relate to them at all because I judged me for it. I uh, I judged me pretty hard. And uh, as I did earlier today when I asked for a weak, regular soy flat white. Hi, could I please have um, as little coffee as possible while still legally counting as a coffee? That would be great. Thank you. Um, I don't know why. I should have just gotten decaf, really. But, uh, but you know... Might as well keep a little bit of a thrill in it. There's something about just two coffees a day. It doesn't matter what else has happened, how much I've eaten, what's happening in my world. If I have a second coffee in a 24-hour period, um, I'm, I'm going to start doubting every decision I've ever made in my life. And um, that's no good. That's not a good way. When you are simultaneously planning a wedding but also an escape, that's not... <laughs> oh, man. 
someone is going to at some stage go through my podcast and just clip together all of the little things that I say that make me sound very uncommitted to my relationship and show them to my partner in some kind of supercut. Um, and it will be the most she's ever listened to this podcast. And, uh, and, and probably for the best until someone does that. And I obviously don't mean it. It's for comedic effect. This is a character, etc. Um, my partner is currently... We, we celebrated five years together this year. It was a big, big landmark for her and I. Five years together. That's pretty... It's, that's some impressive stuff. That's pretty crazy. And right now, she is next door cooking a roast chicken, um, a pasta sauce, and marinating a different piece of chicken for the three dinners and lunches we're having this week. And there's something about that that feels very wrong in 2023 that I'm allowing a woman to do that for me. I feel as if... There, the, someone's Abby Chatfield is going to be protesting at the door right now for the establishment of traditional patriarchal gender roles in our household. It's not good enough. And I don't disagree. I mean, the only thing I would say is in addition to doing all of the domestic duties, my partner also is far more commercially and professionally successful than I am and is more or less bankrolling uh, a supremely supremely financially disastrous tour of Australia that is taking place right now. Little reminder, coming to Melbourne in two weeks. Hey, if you want some one-on-one time with me, buy a ticket to a Monday night show in Melbourne. If you if you were like, what would an hour in Tom's company feel like? Well, if you buy a single ticket for, for, for $20 plus booking fee, you can guarantee an hour of my time uh, next Easter Monday because it might just be the two of us the way things are trending. Uh in saying that, Friday, Saturday night's looking pretty good. Um, if you would like to come instead and meet a lot of my friends, well, come along on a Friday or Saturday night. Come and meet my future father-in-law and his mates because that's uh, they're doing a pretty good job of moving some tickets in Melbourne on a weekend. So what do you want? Do you want to come out and see me at my absolute lowest? If so, get a ticket on a Monday or a Tuesday night. Obviously, not too many of you can do it because then I'll get excited. But if you want to see me doubting uh, my, my my purpose in life, then uh, buy a ticket for a Monday night. If you want to see me, uh, uh, what would be the best? If you came on a Wednesday, you'd probably see me in in a mood I would describe as, this isn't so bad. Every, it, maybe it's like everything's going to be okay. If you want to see me in an everything's going to be okay, come on a Wednesday. If you want to see me um, mistakenly think I'm the future of comedy, come on a Saturday uh, as I look out to a... We might sell out a show. I don't want to call it too late. I think we will sell out at least one show in Melbourne over the course of the Melbourne Comedy Festival. And boy, if you are in the audience that night, be prepared to see a man who vastly overestimates his talents because I was in Adelaide. I remembered. I remember. Tuesday night, three people in the crowd. Wednesday night, no people in the crowd. By Thursday, I was like, you are kidding yourself, Tom Whitcomb. You are... If you, you think, who are you to call out the inspired unemployed? They're best mates with Daniel Ricciardo. They're downstairs wearing Red Bull F1 uniforms and shooting TikToks that take what it seems about 17 seconds to think of uh, and then maybe five minutes to make and sending them out to a million people while Red Bull throw money at them and they dance. They dance amongst the reigning the raining dollars and they don't even record it, even though they know they could and put that on TikTok and get another two million people to watch that. And here I am going, oh, but they're not that clever. Not they're not clever like me. Let's see the inspired unemployed make a make a clever point about the twenty four hour news cycle. That's that's art. 
That's now that's funny. Um, uh, so that that was me on a Thursday. By Saturday, thirty tickets sold. I'm like, wow! I'm surprised you guys even managed to get a ticket for tonight. I mean, they were. I mean, yes, it was an eighty seat room. But in saying that, I, you thirty people, so lucky to be here to see the future of comedy, um, which is not the term future of comedy. You may or may not know is a term I have used to describe myself in many of the descriptions of my show. Uh, because sometimes I do believe that. Labeling myself the future of comedy is something that sometimes, to me, is ironic and other times could not be more literal. Um, so come on down to the Melbourne Comedy Festival. That was a long plug. It was a very long plug to say, hey, please, no, this is what I should have said, please buy a ticket. Please buy, even if, I think I said this for Adelaide, even if you live nowhere near Melbourne, just buy a ticket. And uh, don't get me wrong, I will be on stage and be like, I'm sure... I'm sure I read earlier today six people were meant to be here, but I can only count five. That's okay. I will take your money. That is really much more important to me. <coughs> um, hey, if anyone does listen to the podcast and is going to be coming to a show interstate, in Sydney, I don't care. But in interstate, I want to... No, if anyone... Okay, put it this way. If anyone's coming to the show and you don't know me personally, please let me know. That always That always helps. I love that. Every now and then I get a little message from somebody saying, oh, I, I'm enjoying the podcast, or, oh, hey, I'd, uh, I would really love to hear the full Show Some Respect, Tom Whitcomb's Talking theme song. As you would have heard me last week offer, I said, I've got the full theme song. If you want to listen to it, hit me up. I will send it out gladly. And, and, uh, and someone asked me for that. Someone did ask me for that. And that, that was like, oh, that's cool. I forgot I even said that on the podcast. People care. And then you find out they're an open micer in Sydney. You're like, oh, fuck, who cares? Do you know? <laughs> no offense to the person who asked. I didn't really mean that, um, because let's be honest. M most open micers, there is definitely a difference when you have a fan who does comedy. But just statistically, if you have a fan who does comedy as an open micer, they do comedy for now. Do you know? They do comedy at the moment. Let's see where they are in a year time. All right. And I'm not saying that from an arrogant place. Might be like, Phew, let's see if you can stick around. What I probably mean is, Whoa, let's see how self-aware you are. Because if you can get out, get out. Get out early. I am starting to, I'm starting to realize I might never be on the Melbourne Comedy Festival Gala. I might, uh, unless, look, here's the question. As we segue, I've been trying to work out with this podcast. Should I start with like a, should I start with a, a here's what we're going to talk about this week. Maybe I, here's what I might do. I might record a little intro part and you will realize you'll be like we already heard him tell us what was going to happen i realized i was going to do it right now right now and look I, I still may forget but in any case um i'm like should i tell them what i'm going to do i'm going to talk about the daily mail i'm going to talk about abby chatfield again for some reason um who i also uh resent for her success and um i mean though you end up on the masked singer go fuck yourself seriously you end up on the if you end up and look Dave Hughes is a close, personal acquaintance. And uh, he, I mean, he's obviously great on The Masked Singer. Anyone who can get my career further is excellent on The Masked Singer. But um, is is Abby Chatfield, uh, Jamie, pull that up. Is Abby Chatfield a judge on The Masked Singer? Uh, she sure is. She, she sure, oh wait, no, she won The Masked Singer. Which, is that better or worse? It's all bad. It's all bad. This is, this is Abby Chatfield's filmography. The Bachelor Australia, The Bachelor in Paradise Australia, 
Reputation Rehab, I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, Love Island After Party Australia, The Masked Singer Australia, Abbey Chats, and F-Boy Island Australia. As soon as your filmography includes the word island more than once, that's a concern. Love Island After Party Australia. Couldn't even get on the real Love Island. And F-Boy Island Australia. It just seems like the modern state of television is either succession or roided up sex addicts on a beach. If we could get someone who is either at home having sex or at the gym trying to increase their chance of having sex, suddenly we want you on our television screens as often as possible. My partner and I, our favourite free-to-air television show is uh, The Dog House, which is beautifully wholesome. And sometimes you forget what day of the week it's on, and you're like, what are we going to see today? Are we going to see uh, a person with cerebral palsy and their carer pick up uh, a similarly disabled dashant and, uh, and bond over the difficulties of existing in a, lo- in a world that wasn't made with them in mind? Or, or are we going to see a dozen women in G-strings do their audition to get on a slightly better reality TV show? Because that is really what Love Island, Bachelor in Paradise, that's what all this shit is. It's just like, this is like, this is the F4 in the Formula One series. This is, this is the F4 of reality TV shows. We're going to throw you on uh, in a room of, of 19 other re- relatively attractive people. People who are especially attractive if you have some kind of vision impairment and don't have your glasses nearby. You know, who have very, very attractive silhouettes and some truly disgusting tattoos. And what we're going to do is we're going to put you on television and we're going to let the cream rise to the top. And whoever has the closest to a full personality, uh, you might then be one of the many nameless individuals that we're going to throw onto The Bachelor, all right? And if you can get to, like, the top 10 rows ceremony, either by showing some glimpses of humanity and empathy or by being a total bitch, then, then maybe you could be the titular Bachelor, Maybe you could be the eponymous bachelorette if you work hard. Or you take a step backwards, you end up on Married First Sight uh, and you're forced to spend 14 weeks with a tradie you don't really love um, in the hope that maybe you can get back into the winner's circle, end up on a, I don't know, Gogglebox. Um, or, or, you know, the you got to have, you got to give credit to Lego Masters, right? Because those guys are purely in it for the love of Lego because there's nowhere for them to go. No one's ever transitioned from Lego Masters to The Bachelor, have they? No one's ever gone, unless unless you really want to take some time off uh, spending literally 12 hours working on children's toys. Um, you know, you start at Lego Masters, you start uh, basically being a child on television with Hamish Blake, which does actually sound like a really good time. Um the only place you can go if you want to keep doing the reality TV show segment is, uh, sorry, the reality TV show circuit is love on the spectrum, really. That's, that's, the, next, that's the next place for you, if anywhere. Um, so, look, fair play to them. Um, and, uh, look, the, w- would I sell my soul for fame? <sighs> no one's asked is the God's truth on that one. I have seen some people do some fucking horrendous organic social content 
for brands that have nothing to do with them. If anyone can tell me what, I'm not going to use a name, what, what, a, what a could possibly have to do with char time from home, please, I am all ears. If anyone can tell me why I, I, can, I can somehow go from watching one video uh, where I've seen the exact same character a dozen times, uh, I don't want to give too much away because I actually quite like this person as an individual, but fuck, content is awful. Um, and, and suddenly think, no, you're right, I do want to make bubble tea at home. Something about making bubble tea at home seems overtly racist, don't you think? Something about the fact it's like, well, I would like to make bubble tea, but I don't want to talk to one of them. <laughs> That's good. I like that. That could be a bit. I could do that on stage. Making bubbles, making char time bubble tea at home. It's like, oh, yeah, I think I've said everything I had to say about it. No tags. That's all I've got right now. The other joke that I'm working with at the moment is, hey, do you think if you cured cancer on 9-11, you'd wait a day to tell people? I think that's really funny because it's true. And I and I, I used to think it was on the anniversary. And then I told a friend they thought it was on the, on the September 2001. I'm like, that is better because you probably would. If you woke up to, to an email from someone saying the tests worked and then a million text messages be like, have you seen what happened in New York? You'd be like, we might have to let this breathe for 24 hours. I don't know if, if now's the time for good news. I don't know if that's what everyone's looking for right now. Um, what I was trying to work towards before, uh, the Melbourne International Comedy Festival has started and I'm going to be there in not too long. And uh, when I do... It, uh, it, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be good. Um, it is a reminder. Sometimes you, you see these things from afar and you're like, oh, the Melbourne I'm gonna be there in amongst it. I'm gonna be one of those people who is uh, who's, who's gonna be a, 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 gonna ha- this maybe this is my breakout year. Maybe I could win best show. And then you realize that the people choosing best show have no idea you even have a show. It's you know uh, I, <laughs> to have the judges think your show is the best show, you really have to start with them knowing you have a show. And that is a difficult bridge to cross, I have I have soon discovered. One of my dreams would be to be on the Melbourne Comedy Festival Gala. And it is one of those dreams there is almost no point in having. It's up there with a dream of uh, wanting to represent the Sydney Roosters because it is never happening. Um, I, it's just, it's, anyway. What is happening in the Melbourne Comedy Festival Gala? For those, I know, look, I know how this is going to sound, and and look, you're already tuning in to a straight white man who has a podcast, so I think we can assume you're empathetic to causes like this. The Melbourne Comedy Festival Gala, as we are seeing in all in entertainment, has a uh, has a, a an obligation and a requirement and a responsibility, I would say, to increase the diversity and the representation of the people on that show. And fair enough too. We need to reverse these scales that have been imbalanced for too long and therefore we need to let a lot of people who are uh, grossly underqualified in <laughs> no it's not true it's not it's not strictly true um, look you, you gotta you gotta you do have to feel uh, that there is a bit of overcorrection going on and I don't want to call out any names um, go and watch the Melbourne Comedy Festival gala and find out almost instantly what I'm talking about right now. Here's what I will say. Because they can only choose like four straight white men, the, the quality 
of straight white Australian men at the Melbourne Comedy Festival Gala. It's it's high. The, cr- the, the cream has risen to the top. Now, do I know that's strictly true? I'm basing that off Luke Heggie, who blew it out of the water yet again. My favourite comedian in Australia, hands down, Luke Heggie, is an absolute mensch. Big fan of his. He, um, he did uh, the Melbourne Comedy Festival Gala and managed to make a room full of Melbourne people laugh while making jokes basically about slavery. It was... Just great stuff. Loved it. I tried to do chef's kiss there without putting my hand to my mouth, and I don't think it works. Um, he was just phenomenal, as he always is. Ab- absolutely great. Um, someone who does not fall into the realm of straight white man. Uh, oh, my Jesus Christ. What a fucking... Oh. It is, it's hard, because you sit in your, at home, and you can't help but be like, they're taking food off my plate. No, Tom. They were never considering you for this. You are not any of the things they need you to be. They have enough of you, and fair enough. But here's, here's what I have learned from some of the other spots on the Melbourne Comedy Festival Gala. If at any point, if at any point the crowd is not going great, reference colonization and wait for applause. <laughs> you know those, those signs... Uh, that you see it like, you know, the late show with Conan O'Brien where it says applause, um, that should just trigger every time someone makes a reference to the first fleet. Uh, and, and, and it ha- would have to pick up the, the tone being insulting because the other way around could get in trouble. But if you could just, any time, it is, it is programmed in white Australia now. As soon as someone, as soon as someone makes fun, well, let's, okay, uh, as soon as someone makes fun of the oppressor, as soon as it's like, and straight white men, am I right? They're like, oh, sorry, that's that's my cue to do these ones, right? Look, just tell me when to stop. Tell me when to stop. Yep, okay, good. I did a show on Friday night, and I uh, I have a joke where I call out that I am not right-wing, where I, I make a comment about someone saying after a show, he's coming up to me and saying, oh, it's so good to see a right-wing comedian, and I say, I'm not one of you, I'm making fun of you. And someone started clapping. Because she was relieved to know I wasn't right-wing. Let me just break down what that woman did. She thought she disagreed with me, hated me for it, found out she then agreed with me and began clapping. We need to we need to, 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 to wipe whatever memory structures are forcing her to do that because that is the worst. That is killing comedy, that impulse. The impulse of like, say something that I agree with and clap as loud as you can. That is a death trap for creativity in this country. Um, look, I, I've, I'm going to be honest. I'm, I'm, I'm making good time right now. Where are we up to? I'm almost scared to check. I'm not going to check. I know how long this podcast should be, and uh, sometimes I can just kind of get on a roll, and other times I'm like, well, I am all the way through my checklist of things to talk about, and uh, there are still 27 minutes left. Not today. I haven't even made it past the first. But here's here's what my uh, my podcast is. A little peek behind the curtain of Show Some Respect. Tom Woodkin is talking right now. Uh, I have intro slash rain. Did I even mention it? it's raining outside? Isn't that great content? How did I get this far without talking about that? Um, the weather that happened three days ago from you listening to this right now. Uh, partner cooking talked about that. Hit that one. Uh, I have bossa nova version of your song. Didn't even touch that. We're listening to a, a playlist outside. Right now, my partner is. Hopefully, you can't hear it in the background. It's good because she then can't hear what's happening in this room because the music is so loud. And uh, and there was a bossa nova version of your song. Who was clamoring for that? Who at any point was like, hey, could we take 
Um, could, could, could we take Elton John's? Uh, could we take Elton John's "Your Song"? Actually, you know what? Could we just make a list of all the great songs and just make them go like this? We need that. We need that. I, I think that's what we all thought. Your song was missing was a little Caribbean influence. I don't know if that's where Bossa Nova is from. Caribbean kind of feels right. Where is Bossa Nova from? Rio de Janeiro. Ah, oh, Brazil. Yeah, not too far. Not too far off. Um, and then I have a line that says, what I thought said MILF, but actually it says MICF, which stands for uh, Melbourne International Comedy Festival. And then I have a line that says workplace bullying. What was that about? Who knows? I do know. Uh, long-time listener of the podcast, Matt Fenn, might be listening right now, may have drifted off to sleep already. Who is to say? He, uh, he loves listening to this podcast to put, him to, 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 to put him into a deep slumber, which is very hurtful and um he was telling me yesterday he works in uh I, I don't know i don't know he works in commercial real estate i don't care it's fine and he was telling me about the amount of bullying that happens in his workplace it is like he, i went to a private school and even i'm like this is a bit much I, I i went to knox grammar school and when we weren't being molested we were making life hell for everyone around us in the in the desperate hope that nobody would turn it on to us. And even I am like, Matt, I don't know if this is okay. Um, but uh, but also, it is quite funny. Um, so now I'm into the first, the first big section. This, I'm, I'm, I, I, won't, I won't skip ahead. I have things I wanted to talk about today. It, there, the, 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 the how good this podcast is can... Uh, can usually be determined by how early I start thinking about it. I've kind of been thinking about it all day today, and you sort of walk around, you're like, oh, I could talk about this, I could talk about that. And there are other days where I get to about 4 p.m., like, fuck, I need to go record a podcast. What am I going to talk about? Uh, 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 look around the room, irons, talk about ironing. Is ironing interesting? Um, and then I record the podcast, and then I stop, hitting, I, I, I stop recording, and then I go, what am I doing? What do I, what, what, is, what, is, what is this? And every, every fiber of my being says no delete it delete it delete it put it put it no one needs this no one needs this no one ever do you ever think the podcasts are kind of slowly but surely eroding uh just just eating away at your soul do you ever maybe just me because i make it this one though feeling pretty good this one i've already i can't remember what they were but i said some things along the way i was like that's that's pretty funny what was the thing i literally said five minutes ago i was like that's a bit that's a joke and i started talking about 9 11 who knows um that could be a good name for a book. And then I started talking about 9-11. That's a great, that is a great title for a stand-up comedian's biography. Someone remind me about that because I will forget it. We've already proven that. Went to the library today. Here we go. Here we go. I can hear you guys finally some relatable material because you know where we all spend a lot of our time? At the library. Library, underrated, by the way. A council library? Oh, free books? And internet, free books and free internet. I mean, yes, it's not all the internet you can use at the library. It is quite a it's it's quite a reduced subset of the internet. Um, some of the, especially on a weekend, some of the least useful parts of the internet. But in saying that, um, I was going through this library today. Do you ever? I think I've talked about this in in reference to a street library. I know what that is. All right, Tony Abbott didn't know. I know. I'm a man of the people. 
uh, go in the library and you just see how many books exist and you're like, fuck, who thought we needed these? Some of the books on the shelf at your local library, you just think, number one, who convinced any of the people involved that this was a book worth having on a shelf? Who convinced the author to write it? Who convinced the publisher to make it? Who convinced the council to buy it? And then you think, who's reading this horseshit? If you have in good conscience, in sound body and mind, actively and voluntarily picked up Miff Warhurst's biography, what are you doing? Do you have any, do you have any value at all for your time? You wouldn't give Miff Warhurst an hour of your evening. Spicks and Specs was 27 minutes and that was pushing it and that had Mikey Robbins doing a lot of hard work. Was Mikey Robbins that? Adam Hills? I don't know. Who's, re- who's, like, who's seeing one of the team captains on Spicks and Specs and going, I need to know how she got there because I know nothing else about this woman and that feels wrong. Nothing, I mean, oh, let me be clear. I would love to have the life Miff Warhurst has. I would never write a book about it. I would, I, look, one day someone is going to, I'm going to release, I'm going to release a memoir and I'm going to spend a lot of it. My memoir would be so boring. I've thought about this a lot. And if that's not a trait of a narcissist, I don't know what it is. You ever spend a little bit too much time thinking about narcissism and think, I should stop thinking about this because uh, I definitely have it. Also, the time I'm spending thinking about narcissism is time wasted. I could be thinking about myself. And um, I, I've, th- I've thought about what might, would be my biography. And I'm just like, at what, point does it, at what point does it even start getting interesting? Chapter 7, everything is still fine. <laughs> I'm going to make some stuff up. Have to, I'm going to have to you know, falsely accuse some people of things. I'm not against that. Um, what else is at the library? Uh, Paul McCartney's lyrics in two books, A to K and L to Z. I mean, you, seriously. It's amazing that you can get onto the, li- onto the internet at the library because I think a lot of the books were made for people who don't realise the internet exists. Paul McCartney's lyrics in written form. I hope I get to a level of fame where I can just throw an, an old laptop at a, at a ghostwriter. And I mean throw it, like peg it at their face and go, turn this into a revenue stream now. And they will. I would love to... Like, Paul McCartney. Paul, there is no way. Now, in theory, according to this book, Paul McCartney has, like, annotated all his lyrics and talked about the origin of it. There is no fucking chance Paul McCartney penned a word of that. They have just... He's just like, hey, all of the words that are used in those lyrics, those are the words that I know. Use them. And that should be close enough. Um, Someone's written a book about uh, Vladimir Zelensky. Gee, they got that out quickly. Um... You got to think that's a book that was relevant for all of about three weeks. There's still a war happening that he's at the front of. No one's talking about, and someone wrote a book. Crazy stuff. Um, there was an entire shelf dedicated to uh, British history, and I saw literally two books apart from each other: uh, a, bi- two, uh, a biography of Winston Churchill and a biography of Meghan Markle. Um, now, fortunately, this library was only three stories high, so there wasn't much point throwing myself off of it. But boy, was I tempted when I saw that. When I saw Winston Churchill and Meghan Markle sharing a shelf. Are you happy, Prince Harry and or William? I don't remember. Are you 
It's Harry, isn't it? Are you happy with yourself? You have discredited your nation to this, that the greatest prime minister, one of the greatest historical figures of all time, is being forced to just, just to, to, to share a library shelf with the romantic interest from Suits. What a fucking cluster of a world we live in. Um, and then Tom Tilly. Tom Tilly has a book. Now, for those of you who might not know who Tom Tilly is, if we have any international listeners, Tom Tilly was a host on the ABC on Triple J for a little while of, of a show called Hack. Hack is a, a really great way to pretend to be informed, is to listen to it. And I am not separate from that at all. You better believe I hear something on Hack. I wait uh, two weeks. I let it cool off like it's stolen merchandise and then uh, go and throw a fact or figure at someone I work with apropos of nothing. I would not... I, I am far from the first nor the last person to do that. Um, but does Tom... Do you need... Does Tom Tilly really need... Oh, a... I really did not do a very good job of explaining what hack is. Hack is, uh, it, it was like a, I don't know what you'd call it, a current affairs. Is it current affairs or is it just like, it was it was a relatively intellectual show on uh, Triple J between 4.30 and 5.30. still happens. It's usually about, I don't know, it, I think it used to be about world politics and now it's mostly about being non-binary. That's how I tend to, I think that's what it is. Is that what it is? It used to be about the state of the nation and now it's about the state of pronouns. I feel like that's mostly... A lot of it, um, and uh, but Tom, did Tom, do we need? Do we need a book about it, Tom Tilly? Did we really need a book from you? Who is reading it seriously? The youth broadcaster. Turn it into a TikTok, Tom. Turn it into a turn it into like a ninety second piece of vertical video content. Then I might pay attention. A book? You're gonna make me read words for you? You are kidding. You basically hosted a podcast. Talk about it in a podcast like I do. I don't really know anything about Tom Tilly, but I heard once from someone that I don't recall that may have been a dream that he's a dick. And I have nothing to back that up or substantiate it in the slightest. But boy, is it stuck with me. And I like to think he is. I don't know what it is about him, but I like the idea that he's a dick. It really, it soothes me. It might be because I think uh, my fiance has told me she had a crush on him at one stage. That probably is a part of it. The other one, Dylan Alcott. Don't know why. Heard he's a dick once and it has stuck with me and I really want it to be true. I re Apparently I've heard that the disabled community uh, doesn't think that Dylan Alcott is disabled enough for how famous he is, which is just so funny. It's just, there is, you know, every out group has an in group. Do you know what I mean? Every marginalized society is working hard to marginalize someone else. God, I love that. We're all so fucked as as human beings, you know what I mean? There is not a group of there is not a group of racially vilified people that don't have their own group of people to racially vilify. And doesn't that just warm the cockles of your heart? I do I do greatly appreciate that. Um how far am I into this? I'm having a good time today. This is this has been fun. Half a coffee shot is the perfect amount. 34 minutes. I've barely touched any of this. Um, I had some. I did have some Daily Mail articles I wanted to talk about, which I still might. Uh, I'll talk about the Daily Mail articles. And uh, the only other thing that happened as we were leaving the library, 
is uh, we walked past a woman who was selling big issues. And both my partner and I, we said, you know, we really should buy the big issue. We should buy the big, that's a good thing to do. We each said 10 meters after passing her. Too late now. We can't go back. That would be ridiculous. Um, we, God forbid we, uh, we embarrass ourselves by doubling back towards this destitute woman. <laughs> but every time I see someone selling big issues, like, oh, I should buy that, but not today. But not to, not today. Um, I know everything that I need to know about. Uh, I don't even know what the front cover is. I've never. I've owned. I've had. I shouldn't. I didn't own. I've been around people who have owned issues of the big issue, and uh, I've never read a word inside it. Um, I might take a, a quick glance at the crossword. That's about as far as I get. I used to date. I used to date a girl who routinely would buy the big issue, and she had a guy that she bought it from all the time. And I was like, that's such a lovely thing to do. That's so thoughtful and sweet and, and such a nice little gesture. She knew the guy like they were mates and they checked in on each other. So that's such a an easy thing to do to make a, a little bit of a difference in someone's life and just feel better about yourself. And that was 2017. And I have still not done it. And I, look guys, you know me, this is a place for honesty. Um, I'm not going to, I think. I think I'm not going to. So... <laughs> I used to give quite a lot of money to charity for a while, and then I just stopped. And I'm like, I think that was enough for one lifetime. That was enough to give back. Yes, I've been given a lot, but if I was give, if I started giving that away, that would mean I've been given less. Does that does that make sense? Is that enough reason to never question this opinion? Um, I did look. I think I, I've been thinking about how I want to try and work in a, a few more kind of segments to this podcast, is give it more structure, make it a little bit easier to do. Um, and, uh, I think one of those, the only segment I've come up with so far is my favorite headlines from the daily mail. I, I keep coming back to it. It's so funny. It is such a relief in the current state of news journalism for it to be just so clearly a total waste of time. If you wake up every morning and know that you have to go and work at the daily mail, the fact you make it through the day is nothing short of a miracle that deserves its own daily mail article. Today on the Daily Mail, Daily Mail journalist continues to live. Wow, that is surpri- that is almost as surprising as the fact that Celine Dion celebrated her 55th birthday amid health battle. Another great Daily Mail article that came out this week. And then <laughs> this is what it says. Stiff person syndrome. Top 10 hits. Wed her manager. Five Grammys. That is, that's, imagine having your life summed up in uh, six dot points. Not even that. Four dot points by the Daily Mail. Uh, other other quick notes from Daily Mail just at a glance. Uh, Lana Del Rey is engaged. Hey, did you ever notice that Lana Del Rey kind of looks like a melting Amy Winehouse statue? Is that is that is it just this one angle? I had no idea what Lana Del Rey looked like, and I'm like, wow. You know that that scene in The Simpsons where Homer makes a makeup gun. Oh uh, yeah, and it and it is set to Amy Winehouse on this woman's face. Um, good for her. But the ones I really wanted to lean into. Uh, number one, this one. I'm a crocodile. Oh, wait, here we go. I'm a crocodile handler, and men are too scared to date me. Plus, strangers say they hope I get eaten. <clears throat> if you are a journalist, and your journalistic integrity starts with a good search through TikTok, <laughs> the Daily Mail is just a novelization of TikTok a lot of the times, I think. 
They're like, hey, can you go have a look at the For You page and see if there's like 400 words in any of those 90-second videos? Like, well, we have this from a woman in Florida who works with crocodiles who was single and it looks certain to stay that way. And they're like, well, our readers are going to need to know about this. This woman, she kind of looks like, you know, if you if you watched uh, um, Tiger King, uh, Carol Oldmate, whatever her face is, it kind of just, she looks just like, it's just the reptilian version of her. Um, this woman is so insane looking. And uh, there's a quote here that I love. It, it says uh, it says right here, I believe most, this is, this is a quote from her, I believe most people are afraid to date such a strong woman that works with prehistoric beasts on a daily basis, says Savannah. Of course, that's her name. Maybe they're afraid of me. Maybe they're afraid of the animals I work with. Maybe they think I'm crazy. I'm not too sure. My romantic interests are always put off by what I do. But I like the alligators and the crocodiles better anyways. And this woman is single. Can you believe it? Hi, tell me a little bit about yourself. I'm a crocodile handler who relates to million-year-old reptilians more than I relate to human beings. Well, you sound like a catch. I'm sure I'm not going to end up eaten by one of these things because you can't feel feelings. Much like the salty beasts that you work with on a daily basis. This is, I mean, truly, the Daily Mail is, hey, can you go find some freaks for us to turn into an article? Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, If you can find some examples of celebrities doing anything less than flattering or a person you would never want to meet face-to-face, either of those will do for the top stories of today. Um, That was the first one. Uh, Oh, I do... When I was searching for the Daily Mail... When I was searching for the Daily Mail website on Instagram... Um, I did find an account called The Daily Mail Hates Women, um, which I don't necessarily disagree with, but only by virtue of the fact I think The Daily Mail kind of hates everybody. Um, It certainly has no respect for anyone. Um, (laughs) here's Here's an article that someone has shared on The Daily Mail Hates Women on Instagram. Why women who hold their keys between their fingers for safety are doing it wrong. (laughs) Oh, God. That's so... Oh, man, that's rough. And here's my other one. My other favourite article from the Daily Mail. Abby Chatfield's X-rated act. Radio star shocks fans in busty corset as she lets her friend suckle her nipple at a local bar after a few drinks. (laughs) Oh, star and winner of The Masked Singer. Uh, woman who will trade all personal values for attention on a free-to-air channel, Abby Chatfield has worn a low-cut top with her non-binary friend at a bar, and uh, that's made it to the front page. Um, right next to an article about Ian Dicko Dixon. Jesus Christ. Oh. And here I am contributing to it by scrolling past ads and monetizing the Daily Mail. I had a chance not to. I went to the Daily Mail website. They found my ad blocker. They said, you're going to have to take your ad blocker if you want to hear about Abby Chatfield's friend suckling at her nipple at a local bar. And I thought, well, if you des- if you if anyone deserves payment for journalism, it would be you guys. You go to the Times, you go to the New York Times or the Guardian. It's like, hey, we see you have an odd blo- ad blocker off. Could you take it off, please? And I go, ah, nah, I'm not going to do that. And they go, oh fuck, all right. Well, um, our journalists actually get paid quite a lot because um, they, uh, 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 you know, can spell. But um, but we won't pay them for you being here because I don't really know why. We have the option of blocking you out, but just read it because we'd probably rather you know this stuff. Whereas the Daily Mail is like, look, there is no reason for you to know any of this, so we're going to have to see some fucking cash for this, all right? 
So uh, unless you are happy to scroll through a few ads for the iconic, uh, by the way, we're going to presume you're a woman. <laughs> from <laughs> I'm looking at this ad for the iconic on this uh, um, Abby Chatfield um, article, and uh, as far as I can tell, the 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 media buy is like. Uh, we need to push this iconic ad out to slutty women. So if there's any reference to Abby Chatfield uh, on on any of this, just go ahead and uh, chuck on this ad for a mesh bra, would you? We think your audience is going to love it. <laughs> um, here's the part of this that I hate. I, I have in the past on this channel, on this channel, this is a huge channel, I have on the past on this podcast uh, said some pretty derisive things about Abby Chatfield. And um, look, in her defense, she has gotten more attractive with time. But <laughs> but um, I, I think, to be fair, look, I don't really have anything against Happy Chatfield. Happy Chabby Chabby Hatfield. Um, God, if Abby Chatfield ever puts on weight, you better believe there is an article on the Daily Mail called Chubby Hatfield, 100%. Um, if not, I'll sell it to them because that's good stuff. That is... Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't uh, condone the use of of the nickname Chubby Hatfield for Abby Chatfield, but it's happening. Um, oh my god, her friend looks so dead in the eyes. Jesus, uh, I'm looking at the, the. They have this picture of the woman who suckled her tit, who uses they them pronouns because um, it might be the most interesting thing about them. Uh, and um, <laughs> this is this is the line that I truly hated from this article. Uh, the photo divided Abby's loyal fans with some praising the raunchy act. Now imagine, imagine hearing that you're, you, you, you're, as a loyal Abby Chatfield fan, first of all, if you would be described as a loyal Abby Chatfield fan, first, I mean, alarm bells, straight away. If that's a definitive element of your personality, if that's a group that you, that you apply to, if you found yourself at a bar, and saw a big, a big banner in the side for like Abby Chatfield super fan meetup, and you're like, I will find some like-minded individuals over there. It's time to pause and reflect. It's it's time to maybe spend some time on some other news websites than the Daily Mail. Um, but uh, but 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 to to call yourself a loyal fan and to praise, to hear that Abby Chatfield has had her nipple suckled in public by a they them friend, and go, someone needs to thank her for all her great work. Someone needs to show their appreciation for this uh, proud um, something woman. I, don't, I have no adjectives for this. <sighs> it's awesome how open you are, gushed one fan. Did you both end up in bed together? Oh, my God. Truly horrific stuff. I, d- I didn't mean to end this on such a, on such a low note. Um, maybe I could have talked about a different Daily Mail article on here. Maybe I could have talked about... Uh, I was looking for a sad article. Usually there's something. Gwyneth Paltrow gets roasted for her Jeffrey Dahmer look. That's pretty fun. That's good stuff. <laughs> oh, I thought there'd be something sad. No, there's not. Julia Fox denies she used weight loss drug. Man, this is so... Oh, you can just feel brain cells evaporating. You can just feel my, my something in my neural pathways going, well, clearly he doesn't need as many of these as we first thought um, because he's reading about Jonah Hill's girlfriend's pregnancy bump. Ugh. Awful stuff. Awful, awful stuff. Um, 
But this has been a one long big ad for the Daily Mail, hasn't it? This is the worst thing I've done is I've really pushed it. I've really shoved it down your throats. Hopefully what this tells you is you no longer need to read the Daily Mail. If there is anyone who's listening to this who is already reading the Daily Mail, I am nothing short of baffled. Um, the only thing that I can imagine, if you listen to this and you read the Daily Mail, is uh, it's the year 2027. Um, I have somehow made a career of stand-up comedy and you are going hunting for something horrendous that I have said over the course of my career um, because you work at the Daily Mail and you need an article and it's 8.53 and it's due at 9 and it takes you two and a half minutes to write it. <laughs> um, and frankly, I'm surprised that you had to get all the way through to episode whatever the fuck this is, 55, 55, 54, to find me say something cancelable. Um, unless 2027 is a better time. Look, I think that's the end of the podcast, isn't it? This has been this has been a pretty good one. Sometimes I, I go through and I'm like this has been this has been good. This has been fun. I'm having a good time. Did you have a good time? I hope so. Um, hey, if you enjoyed it and you know people in Melbourne or you are in Melbourne, come along to a show. Like I said, come on a Monday if you want some alone time. Come on a Friday if you want to see me with an inflated sense of self worth. But until then, I hope you've enjoyed this extra long episode of Shows and Respect. Todd Wiggum is talking 47 minutes unheard of. And I'll see you next time. See ya.